welcome to That One Idea, a podcast series chronicling early-stage founder journeys brought to you by WeWork Labs. Through this podcast series, we hope to bring out founder moments and journeys that led them to starting up. We highlight the humans behind the founders as they blitz through the zero-to-one scale journey and transition their ideas into scale-worthy businesses. In today's episode, we have Anjali Sosle of Waterbridge Ventures chatting with Anand Ramachandran of Big Fat Phoenix. Big Fat Phoenix builds first-party video games for kids that help them build their social, emotional and life skills. Through their Fairside Stories app, they've built video games that give kids an online social safe space to play games and interact with their friends and peers. Hey Anand, good morning. So good to be seeing you and doing this. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been like what, like a year? I think we, I was last here in like... Last Christmas. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It's um, good to be here. Fantastic. Thank you for giving us your time this morning. Obviously, this is about, like I said, recognizing the humans behind the founders. Anand, tell us about where you were born and raised and give us a few like anecdotes about your childhood. Born in Trivandrum, Kerala, actually, uh, but just, I was just born there and I know that and I, I have some strange connection to Trivandrum because I was born there and I've spent some time there. But uh, raised largely, uh, apart from a, a few years in the Middle East, till class two, I was in Abu Dhabi and my dad was in uh, in the Middle East, uh, one of the oil companies. But for all practical purposes, it was Chennai from class four right up to, you know, Right up to I was, I don't know, 35 years old. I was in, in Chennai. So I'm pretty much a Chennai South Madras boy. Any friends, family and first degree connections that had like a major influence on you growing up? So, yeah, it's interesting, right? Influence on me, like my father, but not when I was growing up. My father became more of an influence on me after he passed away. And then I thought about him a lot more and I'm like, oh my God, actually he was an influence. So he was an influence, but I wasn't aware of it growing up. In terms of... Family, yeah, almost all my, you know, uncles, aunts, they, they all had like a pretty crazy sense of humor looking at it back in the day. And I, I spent some time as a satirist and writing stuff like that. So a lot of it came from there. My love of cricket came from family, of course, as it does more in most cases in India, like hardcore, you know, those Madras mamas who like debate and dissect every test match uh, to death. That habit comes from there. So... I don't think anyone can say that they didn't have friends and family as influences. Uh, so to that extent, I definitely had that influence. But nobody to a great degree of I like idolized this person or I wanted to be that person was not friends and family. That was like growing up, I would say if you look at serious influences for me, early comic books writers, Mad, the whole crew of Mad in the 80s, Don Martin, Al Jaffe, uh, Antonio Projas. I was a huge and, and still am a massive fan of, of Mad from those days. So that was a that was a dream team that I always looked up to. Lots of the early game develop, development studios, uh, Carmack, of course, uh, Romero and uh, the crew at id and they made, I remember the first time I saw Wolfenstein and it blew my mind and I was like, I want to be like those guys. So that worked out, not to that degree, but it worked out to some extent. So largely, I've been a comic book and video game nerd from those days. My influences those days are still my influences today. So, Oh, fantastic. And what about college? You always say that you dropped out because you felt you didn't belong there. And of course, I know you joke about it saying it was a waste of my time. But looking back today, you know, what was, what was going through your mind through those years and how did it like impact you immediately after? So it's interesting, right? Everybody talks about me dropping out of college and I get that in my family all the time and, and everyone says, you dropped out of college, you dropped out of college and, you know, at that time it was like, oh my God, you're dropping out of college, that sucks. Today it's you dropped out of college, you're awesome, whatever, whatever. What nobody really talks about is that I got admission to a course which I actually wanted to do, but I wasn't allowed to take that up. I got ad- admission to the first or second batch at Loyola College in Chennai for visual communication, which was more along the lines of what I actually, I got a seat there. In the first list, the college I dropped out of was a college I didn't want to be in the first place. I never wanted to go. So it was doomed from the start is what I would think. And perhaps if I had gotten to go where I wanted to go, I might have finished college. I don't think I'd have dropped out of Loyola. I don't think so. Uh, I would have finished college and I don't know where, where that path would have led me. Nobody knows. But it's important to recognize that. Right. It's 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 not that I was destined to drop out of college. I was I was probably not a right fit for that course which I ended up going to. Right. That was 
the reason I dropped out of college, not because I hated the idea of college or I didn't want to be educated. Or I want. I don't think anyone wants to be a dropout. I was miserable there. It, it, to begin with, I entered in thinking this is going to be miserable, and guess what? It was. So that kind of compounded, and I just ran out of patience and skill. I, I simply couldn't go on. It's not like I, I, I was. I just couldn't go on. The impact that it had. I mean, for a year, I was completely lost. I was just roaming around like Madras with no direction, nothing, just randomly. Like you know, I mean, in that year when I was telling, saying I'm going to college, but I wasn't actually going to college. So I would just go and like bum around on like you know Madras on ten rupees a day. I can write that book, but it was a fairly complicated journey no internet those days right kids though we didn't have information i didn't know what options were there i didn't know what i could do i had no idea right? all i knew is what i didn't want to do and i had some inkling of hey i wanted to be in the creative arts because i was always good at that from school advertising which is where i ended up outside of that there was no clear guidance so it was it was pretty hard it was pretty hard i did not receive guidance i did not receive any kind of support or the right kind support might have been there and people saying hey ra ra do you follow your heart blah 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 stuff like that which is which is it's great to have it because that's the stuff you clutch on to uh, when uh, if there's like this one or two people who say that you know what you're doing is the right thing when 100 people are telling you it's the wrong thing you cling on to that as a kid i was like 19 right you cling on to that kind of thing but it's not like i received anything by way of useful guidance looking back nothing i was alone and It's just dumb luck, I guess. Couple of die rolls going my way that I'm here right now, but it could very easily have gone wrong, right? So, of course, listening to some of this, we realize that you kind of knew what your passion was, and how did you match knowing that this is what I'm like incredibly passionate about, like like the creative space, comics, video games, media, entertainment, the overall space, and how do you match that with? finding like sustainable employment opportunities like especially given all the noise in your head from everyone else saying that this is not possible you can't have a you know a career in like creative arts so see it's like this i i have fairly contrarian views on that from the general narrative of it's all about your passion and how you're putting i put it down a large part to dumb luck and i'll tell you why to begin with right you have to ride that luck i buy sure but the breaks are always in your control like for example I, my passion happened to be comics and video games which are mainstream money making industries in the first place right so i was just lucky enough that my passion is something that i can make a living out of what if the passion was uh, in those days something which is not a commercially viable career right so that's that's the first instance of just something that is matching which i didn't have anything to do it's not like i picked i i just fell in love and i fell in love with the right things apart from that The other piece of luck was okay. Uh, I'm just going to rewind a little bit here. The thing that you can do is wear it on your sleeve. Just wear it, right? Nobody who's met me for more than five minutes has any illusions as to what I I'm crazy about, right? So I've always been that way. I've like I talk about even if whether you're interested in video games or not, I'll talk to you about video games. I'll be like, you know, you should play this game and you should be that. And have you seen this? And have you seen that? That's just me. and then luck strikes right uh, i was sitting down at this cafe in chennai and i was just talking to a bunch of folks about you know video games and stuff and we were just kind of chatting and this elderly gentleman from the, from the next table like walks up this is totally true it sounds like a random movie scene but he walks up to me and says hey i'm aditya sinha i i i'm the uh, just joined as the editor of the new indian express would you like to write a column about uh, video games and stuff uh, for me and i'm like yeah why not right it was just lucky happened to be sitting at the next table and i got that gig for writing about video games in a mainstream newspaper like the new indian express with you know huge circulation so that was luck that was that was cool and then simply because i happened to go to school with uh, uh, with prakash kovlamudi uh, uh, a filmmaker and um, an all round great guy from hyderabad when prakash was starting out a company in in mumbai to do games and stuff this was in like 2007 re- way earlier than than all of this and he was like hey would you want to come over and handle all the comics and games and i was like why not but that was just luck i went to school with the guy right so it's it's a couple of things so i wore the passion on my sleeve really loudly so that no everybody knew about it and then things just went my way i'm not smart enough to say what caused what i don't know but i'd say if there's any actionable advice from this for anyone it's just wear it on your sleeve and hope for the best and when the opportunity comes grab it leap when prakash called me i had a thriving design business in chennai but i had there was no debate there was not even a moment's hesitation i was like i'm on the next plane i'll be right there because this is what i wanted to do all my life so i'm going to walk away from whatever's holding me back 
and I'm just going to go in. That is something that I believe is possible to cultivate. When the breaks go your way, just dive in. Yeah, and you spent many years, you know, on your own doing several creative projects in uh, in Bombay. And you were speaking earlier. We were having a chat about K Raghavendra Rao and a, a belly full of dreams. And take us through those um, early years in 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 Bombay. Oh, it was great. So that is Prakash. Uh, K Raghavendra Rao's son is Prakash Kolamudi, who was my uh, buddy from school, who gave me the call. And we were doing this really cool company uh, called A Belly Full of Dreams Entertainment in Bombay in two thousand seven. I'd like to say, yeah. At that point, it was like taking cinema properties and making games, comic books, and stuff around it, right? Which is, I think, we were just like four or five years too early. Now there's a lot of heat around that. We were just too early, but it was a great time. I got to like work with some amazing folks on some really cool projects, and it was, it was a wild ride because it was nobody knew. We had to. I'm at my best when I'm figuring out stuff on my own. I don't do well in. places where everything's laid out and you got to do this like for example i tell you a little bit of a thing that is a key to my personality i cannot write on ruled paper like i can't my brain freezes if the note paper is ruled any kind of structure on it and i i lose my shit i need blank paper right so uh, it's interesting so i i thrive in situations where there's nothing and you got to figure it out mate and that's what bellyful of dreams entertainment was we didn't know anything we had to figure it out on own and there's nothing more exciting than that and We did a fairly decent job. We did some really cool projects there. Uh, we we did this mobile game which is about a blind uh, sword fighter. Uh, it, it was a it was an old uh, it was a Disney film which Prakash made called uh, Once Upon a Warrior. Was the English title is a Telugu film. Uh, Anaganaga Odirudu with Siddharth and Shruti Hasan and stuff. And in Siddharth's like blind in the movie fights like Zatoichi. And we made a game. We made a mobile game uh, with Xerxes in in, in uh, Pune, and we did the design. It was really cool. It's where you had this sphere of vision, and you can't actually see enemies unless you stand still. When you're moving, your actual screen like shrinks down and stuff. So we did some really interesting stuff. We did some cool comics and stuff for for Kolkata Night Riders in the early days, stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. And at what time through this journey you realized that, uh, of course, you're passionate about something, but you're also like damn good at doing it. What time frame did you start? Never. <laughs> I don't believe I'm damn good at doing it now. I don't know. I'm doing some stuff. It seems to be working. I'll ride that luck. But see, you develop competence, right? It's not like you you realize that you're damn good at doing it. You become good at it by doing it over and over again. That's what I believe. I don't think I had any natural talent, especially for games. You, even if you, and like I I come from the school of there's no such thing as talent. But if if you believe that there is, maybe for writing and language and that kind of thing, to some extent, I was good at it from when I was a kid. I just was good at it so that's something i'm willing to have a conversation about games i had no clue but you just get better at it i used to like every child every child is a game designer because every child makes up games you all make up games right every one of you here has made up a game hey let's play like this let's do this is that and that is this i'll be batman you be superman those that's game it design depends, yeah yeah it is it really is let's let's arrange all the stuff and then if i throw this i will hit that no that's not out if you go there then you're not uh, qualified all of those that's actually game design every child is a game designer but most of them stop because they get more serious things to do i never was distracted by the serious things and here i am so i only got better at just by doing more and more and more of it just competence like any and other skill and the external like recognition and the external validations like really mean a lot for you is that yeah. something that you sort given that you've always been you know doing gigs and being on your own from like literally when you were 19 when did you start feeling that okay like i now have like external folks like validating what i'm doing i'm not the kind of person who seeks it consciously i don't do things for the sake of applause or external validation on and i'm 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 complete like i'm fundamentally i tend towards anarchist right i don't like authority i'm i do not appreciate authority i do not care about external validation any more than it's natural to right applaud anybody wants to be appreciated and enjoys being appreciated and if somebody like applauds anything you're doing you're going to feel happy to that extent of course i appreciate and i'm grateful for any uh, applause and appreciation that that the work gets or any validation that i get for what i do but i don't seek it consciously uh, in a sense of i want to do this because i want to be popular that's not me again in school i was always on stage i was always one of those kids who was in focus So I've been kind of used to that right from uh, school and and stuff. And even I was one of those kids. Our house kids were appreciated. I'd draw some crappy thing, and my mom would like frame it and put it on the wall and say, "This is awesome," and make everyone look at it and like say, "This is awesome," right? So I've always like enjoyed that. I've liked it, but I don't seek it, and I don't think seeking it is going to end well for anyone. That always ends badly. 
And tell us about how you broke into Zynga, given this background of being an anarchist and so now getting like a proper middle <laughs> of fairway corporate job. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually more credit to Zynga than anything else, the way they hired. Zynga back in the day was setting up in India and they were new. And again, it's just dumb luck, right? I just, somebody I knew well, Anshu, Anshu Mani Rudra, who was subsequently at uh, Hotstar and, and he's now at Google. He was the first game designer for Zynga India. And Anshu was like, I'm working in Zynga as like a game designer. And I was like, wow, game designer, that's something I want to be. I was in Bombay at the time. I was with Prakash at the time. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, can, can I give it a go? And he said, yeah, sure, come and interview. And I just went. And I've always been like, I, I'm never nervous about interviews. I'm, I was like, I'll go try what is there. Like, who knows? This is Zynga, like huge, mad, big global game design company and one of the fastest growing and largest game game companies in the world and I'm like I've, I've been like doing some random small games in like Bombay for like a few years with no formal training or no experience in any kind of formal setup right so I just went and I did the interview and and they gave me the job and I think that is more to say with how Sean and Steven and those people built Zynga India they had an eye for potential they hired me on potential they were like we think this guy can do the job and then they gave me all the support I needed I I got to hang out with like some top flight game designers at Zynga. It was a huge opportunity. Suddenly, I'm like, in, I'm there and I'm like talking to like Christy Marks and like Bill Jackson and it's amazing, right? And and Brian Reynolds, I, I was in a meeting with Brian Reynolds and I'm like, wow. So it was amazing. I think that's a credit to how Zynga India built the team in those days that I got hired. I don't think many companies would have hired me. So I remain grateful for that. And after you started your early years at Zynga, or even like your first few weeks and months, uh, do you think you were an outlier? I have been the least educated company in every a person in every company that I've worked, including the security guard, who probably had a college degree, right? I was it was ironic when I was at Baijus, right? It's this company that's educating like everybody, and I'm like a you know like a, one of the senior creative people there, and I don't have a college so degree. In Zynga. that degree, I was always an outlier. Yeah. I don't I don't think I've met any other person in. I have. There might have been others, but I have never met a single other person through Zynga, Hike, or Baidu's who was a college dropout. I was also going to ask you. Just, do you believe that the lack of a formal education or formal training, and you're like completely self-taught yourself, does that kind of very organically push you towards like being a polymath, and therefore are you always like continuously pushing yourself to like learn? Yeah, I would think so. I would definitely think so. And I, I you know what? Before you ask this, I never thought of myself as a polymath or this as a as a potential reason for that. But I think so. Thinking back, that and not having the internet. When we were starting off, my design studio, after I dropped out of college, it, I, we, I did a design, interactive and advertising design studio we had for like several years, which was a blast, which is like, it was the craziest thing in the world. And the stories that can come out of that are amazing. And everyone from there has gone on to be like really successful. We didn't have the internet. We just had computers and we had to go to Richie Street and like get go to some secondhand bookshop, buy books or get from friends and read. I used to pour over books. I've been working with Adobe Photoshop since it was just Adobe Photoshop. There was no version number. It was Adobe Photoshop. That's it. Right? So we had to figure, I was like, what is this? This is amazing. But we had no idea what to do with it. And then we'd buy books or we'd just figure it out. I'd just go to the help and like, you know, like try something, do that. That way of learning things on my own. There are many things that I've done to a reasonable degree of uh, of competence and success, right? One is uh, writing and satire. I was a satirist for Crick Info. I've written satire for, you know, a lot of stuff. And it was reasonably well successful, right? I figured it out on my own. Like, we, we, we were one of the earliest studios in India those days to design in digital and for the web and stuff like that. Earliest studios to use digital to Photoshop. Pre-internet days. There was no internet at the time. Uh, we did that reasonably well. And now I think uh, I'm, I'm making games. I've written comics. I've been published by Scholastic and, you know, uh, by Disney. Then we've been like doing games now and I'm making games now, worked at Zynga. All of that, the the ability to figure out something on your own, I would heavily, heavily attribute to that because I don't think I was like that before I dropped out of college. Very interesting. And just take us to some of the highlights at at Zynga, like Zynga, of course, has been like trailblazing in many ways, including Farmwheel and their entire like Facebook partnership. Yeah. But what was it like being at Zynga in those early years? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. Like, you talk to anybody from that first generation of, of Zynga India Studio I folks, and they'll tell you the same thing. It was the best thing ever. Because, again, it was, you were surrounded by incredibly smart people doing incredible things. And you're like, if my, uh, we launched a game at Zynga, which hit like, 600k down they cancelled it because it was a disappointment right and those were the kind of numbers that we were 
I'd kill for that DAO now. I'd kill for it. But okay, I'd kill some people for it. I won't kill anyone. But it's it was amazing because we got cutting edge. Those were the days, early days of you know analytics. And Zynga wrote a book for that. I don't think people uh, 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 Zynga taught Facebook how to do a lot. So a lot of the shit that's going on now, I think like Zynga needs to take a part of the blame. But Zynga really taught the world how to do hardcore analytics. Right, right now, I'm a fairly respectable like analytics person. I can look at data and understand and talk about it. I think in the history of Zynga, there has been no one worse at it than me. I was the worst guy in Zynga for data, but I'm re- I'm better than most other people outside of Zynga. That's how good it was. No, it was amazing. We got access to uh, all kinds of uh, knowledge and learning. We got to work with at scale and you make a mistake and you know suddenly you've lost half million dollars <laughs> it's like pretty crazy right it was amazing we did of course learn a lot of things zinga themselves were learning a lot of things on what not to do and how to how how you know when to stop don't push something too far don't over exploit a tactic because then it won't work a lot of that how not to get carried away by the hype there's a lot of stuff but i mean i would not be here today if not for those years at zinga and 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 that's true of I mean without sounding overly pretentious or overly boastful that's true of a lot of the India's games ecosystem today a lot of it is driven by that group of folks who came out from there amazing folks and did the the formal corporate structure because Zynga remains the largest company you've worked at and working with large diverse global teams did it like have a positive rub off effect on you yeah i would say so a lot of i i picked up a lot of discipline and stuff that otherwise i wouldn't have and zynga was Zynga was my kind of company. Zynga did not monitor attendance or leave or timing at all. They didn't monitor it, but I think they do now. But at that time, they didn't. So it was a, it fit me like a glove because I was like, as long as I'm delivering work, if you are not, I remember, I remember Suresh telling me we 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 track it, but we do not monitor it, and th- that fit me like a glove. Uh, today at Big Fat Phoenix, uh, we don't we don't care. We don't track attendance. We don't look at hours. We don't look at vacation policy. That came from. what worked at uh, at zinga and, and that that's the dna that we one of the things that we did right there but the structure in terms of other things you know teammates and other people depending on you sprint planning production you know reporting structures uh, that i think had a very beneficial effect on me because zinga implemented it just right or, or maybe that was just my first contact and i kind of took well to that i don't do well in structures in a tighter structure like byju's i didn't do really that well but at zinga and at high cos again a company like that kavin was in that mold and i think the structure benefited me in a lot of ways i picked up a lot of skills uh, that i did not have before that and why the transition to hike especially given that zinga was like large budgets big teams you know, global those are not you know? things which appeal to me i get bored i i i'd learned a lot at zinga but uh, after a point i felt like i was plateauing there and i didn't want to just keep doing see uh, one of the things that i've always earlier wanted to do was to make games for india i was one of those hundreds of game designers those days who would have said i will make the first you know successful game in india for indian markets and blah 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 so i was one of those guys and and then when uh, at zinga what was happening was it was kind of i was bored i am the guy who just if i'm bored i cannot do that for one more day so then uh, a bunch of my friends from Zinga had already joined Tiny Mogul Games. Uh, it was I didn't join Hike directly. I joined Tiny Mogul Games, which was at the time a BSB investment, as was Hike, right? So it was Tiny Mogul Games was really doing. Um, you know, they were doing some cool stuff, and they were planning to crack the India market. That was their vision, and that aligned perfectly with what I've always wanted to do. And then I said, like, let me go take a, a take a shot. So that's that was the reason that I moved over to Hike. I've never moved because I don't want to do this. I've always moved because here's a cooler thing that I want to do. And at Hike, you were building video games for Indian markets, yeah. as you mentioned, right? Yeah. What was that journey like? Suddenly, oh, with like wild. constrained budgets, smaller teams. Not really too much constrained budgets, also. No, there also it was like, don't worry, we'll figure this out. Kevin was that guy. He's he'd back it, right? Uh, he'd he'd back it, and I mean, my experience of working with uh, Kevin and the team there was like, I had a great. Three years at Hike too, where we, you know we were really cracking out stuff. It was high creative. It was like, hey, let's try these crazy ideas. Still, some of the favorite games that that I've uh, you know made uh, we did at Hike. We had a great team at Hike too. Uh, they, many of those people remain great friends. 
we did this cool thing called uh, dadi versus jellies it was like a shooter it was a top down shooter of like you're playing as a dadi and there's these monsters and you kind of shooting them and stuff it was awesome uh, we won game of the year at uh, uh, igdc for that i made a really cool one of the games i really enjoyed which we made it was called cricket rocks it was a match three game but with cricket so you you're matching chains and scoring like the longer chains you make the more runs you score and stuff it was really high polish really pretty game we made some quiz games we made one called bollywood ka baap which was cool we made one which it was a hangman game which would pull from your facebook friends and show you their display picture but scrambled and you would have to guess who that person is it was a lot of cool stuff we did a lot of really engaging stuff a lot of really cool social things at uh, at hike for the chat platform how can we make games once tiny mogul games got absorbed into hike and uh, then we were trying to figure out how can we how can we make successful games on a chat platform we traveled we hike was great because hike was the first company even more than zinga in india where we said we're going to do research again something at big fat phoenix interactive which we we are like we spend more time testing than actually building uh, which is as it should be when especially in like products like games and stuff like that right that is something which i kind of put down at hike and we said let's i want to do it this way and at hike sumit mera uh, said yes let's do it that way and sumit backed it and that was fantastic then we traveled all over india we went and spoke to college students and said what do you do we fig- we shadowed them we said what were their chat habits what were their aspirations what were they- we learned stuff like there are kids in varanasi watch more anime than uh, indian television who would have known that unless you've gone there right it was at bhu and every one of them say we don't even watch television we watch anime all of them are watching anime on laptops nobody knew that right so uh, we got lots of insights it was fantastic and that whole thing of testing and testing on a budget all of that came at hike a lot of the other practices that we actually do at big fat phoenix interactive today and we've woven into our culture are things that i experimented first at hike in those teams there how to give feedback how to look for positives how not like anybody can uh, you know tell you why something won't work it's a bone at big fat phoenix where i say that you you give me an idea I can always tell you why it won't work and that will be true it's not even that I'm making it up it's true but success comes from the ability to see why it might work and then double down into that and that's a habit you build it's just a skill like anything else it's not it's not magic but it's just you have to check yourself like wait 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 I'm big negative flip find the positive thing there right uh that's something we f- I started first uh, experimenting with a hike and then you know transplanted that to buy juice and then to 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 big fat phoenix interactive so hike was great it was i'm a no regrets guy uh typically i don't ever look back and say man that sucked so yeah yeah and yeah. you're sounding like uh, one very quickly into uh, you know buy juice and then you went even younger in your time from like hike building games for like young india at hike to now like early learners and building out the disney buy juice app yeah but take us to those first few you know months as you were conceptualizing the the disney app with byjuice the first few months we were actually not conceptualizing the disney app disney came in a little later so i joined byjuice again again following some of my old teammates from zinga and hike joe went up there and it was super exciting because we were going to build games uh, for 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 kids which i've always loved and uh, we had some really exciting ideas even before disney came in to that thing which i'm, I'm still kind of bummed that we didn't build that product because it was really cool it was based on like we 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 took inspiration from things like fraggle rock and uh you know really magical jim henson stuff and we were like thinking of stuff we had we, we had an amazing amazing team uh, i which i built at byjuice that first team i kind of i was just like the first actual game design person to join and i built that team from from scratch which which was a great experience and we we were looking at how do you make how do you make a really engaging game using like zinga mechanics right thinking of like how do you have characters and quests and all of that kind of overworld stuff for kids it was it was fascinating and then disney came in and uh, when disney came in a lot of those ideas couldn't happen because they're not aligned with the way disney does things and disney has very specific ways of how they work with their ip and how how to work with their characters and stuff like that and 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 at byjuice we we picked up a really ambitious project because it was like it wasn't like we're going to work with one ip it was like we're going to get all disney ip byjuice like a he does, he goes big right byju's not a guy who like he'll be like why can't we get all the ip that's just how he rolls so and we are like and when someone with that energy is in the room you're not going to say hey be conservative you're going to be like yeah i'm down with that come on right byju that's a, it's a great skill of byju's get people behind something he's is amazing at that so we were like yeah sure let's dive in even though i had doubts which later on many of those doubts actually turned out to be true but i'm glad we took the leap we we worked with disney we we worked how do you work across 22 ip 
and get that right how do you how do you marry learning objectives with byju's curriculum with disney ip and still do good storytelling and still make compelling games it was a massive challenge and uh, i had a great team i had a killer team at uh, at at byju's and it was a fantastic experience so at the end of the day i believe it was a huge learning experience for everyone involved including byju including disney and definitely including me in terms of you know if if we were to do that project again i'd do something slightly differently just so that we could we could make sure that we were aware up front in terms of what the constraints might be for building the product and we might have come up with a more compelling product so and tell us about how you met your founding team because you're a group of seven of you all of you met at byju's do you have any fun exciting stories about you know how the team came together and how you went about uh, deciding that hey this is big fat phoenix and let's all get together and get out of here yeah lots of stories uh, some of them repeatable some not but it's uh, it's interesting right so um, it's true that i met most of this team at byju's i recruited them at byju's but a couple of them i've actually known from earlier actually on the founding team one of them i knew earlier deep i knew from that we set up blur together in chennai it was a gaming arcade and experience and vidip's been an old friend for a long time uh, and wish of course is like you know college days uh, buddy but the rest of the founding team yeah we did meet at byju's and i i i i hired them at byju's they were my team uh, and it was great uh, the thing was a couple of things all of them came in on the basis of some strong referral uh, i generally tend to hire through referrals i don't just put out a role because i look for people i don't look for positions it's just the way i've always built teams so um bunch of them like raisa uh, was the first actually to join raisa joined as an intern and uh, there's a cool story um we'd been emailing and stuff and she was a, she was a referral from mark skags and if skags says someone's good i'm just going to be like yeah okay i'm not going to second guess mark so we were looking for somebody and i said okay there's someone applying for an intern anybody should like literally the first teammate I, that i had before that i was doing all the work myself and raisa comes on and you know she's never seen me i've never seen her and she comes on does the onboarding process and stuff like that and after which she comes in finally it takes a long time she came in by around, i don't know 3 o'clock 4 o'clock and i was just sitting down and like talking to her asking her hey are you okay and is everything fine did did it all go well and then i was like so tell me what what would you like to do what 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 are you kind of looking at as your thing in byju's uh, your hog some stuff i was just asking her some questions and she was like she she seemed a little impatient and a little annoyed and she just said look i've already told all this to anand and i'm like okay who do you think you're talking to and she didn't she thought i was just some this old guy chatting her up for some crap and she froze she, she was talking to her boss right and uh, that was funny that was funny but yeah then uh, then you know bhamni joined up and you know uh, pavitra and projal was already in byju's before i um um before i moved in there morvi joined later on as part of the disney project and then she was actually recommended by katherine uh, because she was on katherine's team at disney she had worked there and so they all came on board for the team but we used to talk a lot right you know uh, coffee breaks and con water cooler the classic you know creative team conversations and we found that a lot of us share in the same values importantly right in the way things should, forget what should be done the way you do things is really important to align on right and we found a lot of alignment there i i've worked in a lot of great teams but there's very few teams that i dearly love as much as i love my team right now and uh, we don't shy away from using that word by the way at at big fat phoenix we don't shy away from saying that we love each other we really do and uh, it's something we believe is a strength for our team and that happened the genesis of that was at by juice and we really really like became friends and we used to talk a lot we used to come like we should do this and we should do that be exciting about game So when the time came for me to leave Byju's and I was like you know what's the next thing and I wanted to kind of do something and I was pretty convinced that I wanted to really work with these people and I also felt like our work at Byju's was done now it by now it was a machine and anybody can plug in and make that run it doesn't require a core creative team to set it up from the beginning and uh, we, and and the and Byju's has they're a curriculum focused company at least at that time uh, now of course the growth has been exponential so they they're in all sorts of stuff but at the time it was still a very curriculum focused company and we didn't want to do stuff with curriculum anymore uh, we wanted to kind of really get out and try different things so we just felt that the time was right and then i left and and they were my team pretty much my team by the time everyone i think was considering moving on so i said why don't we all like you know start something uh, together because it makes sense we work together great we share the same passion we share and we also kind of share the same production processes and stuff so it makes it easier you don't have to retrain everybody in 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 workflows and the way that things need to be done and culture how feedback needs to be given blah 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 lots of stuff just came in like pre set so it was it made sense to everyone so 
And tell us about the origins of the idea for uh, you know Big Fat Phoenix, where you you said that hey, you're already servicing this young TAM and through like game-based learning. And how do you think about how do we make this into like a larger uh, you know company and idea? It came in from a, like like everything which has to do with me. It wasn't as structured as we'd like to think. The first thing was I want to be doing more with games, with play. Because at Baiju's, at that point, there was no visibility into doing much with the idea of play. It was more around fiction and using Disney. and But the actual play was not, you know, really di- diving deep into the simulation because that's not something that Baiju's was interested in at that point in time. Because as a company, they need to double down whatever, uh, you know, they, they believe their focus should be, right? But I've been about how can we use the act of play for learning, right? Not for building better assessment, which is what a lot of the gamified learning apps tend to do, is the exposition is more juicy and fun or the assessment is more juicy and fun. But the actual learning by doing, by messing around in a simulation, by trying things and, and making mistakes and learning, that wasn't really happening that much. And that's what we want to do because we believe very strongly in the power of video games, right? One of, one of my early, like one of those things, you know, they, they keep asking you that the, what's that thing that makes you, as a founder, what's, what's the thing that makes you angry? One of the things that makes me angry is this whole thing of, oh, video games are bad for kids. My point is vid- video games are bad for kids is an outcome of the kind of video games that you believe that they're playing. That's not a problem with video games because if you believe video games can be bad for kids, then they can, all you're saying is that video games can influence behavior. If video games can influence behavior in a bad way, hell yeah, video games can influence behavior in, in a good way and we need to be fighting for that. For us, it was about play. So that was one thing that's always driven me really strongly, right? And the other thing was a, a bunch of personal experiences also kind of brought, uh, at my time at Baiju's and even before that, I, I started like with many people of my generation too late, understanding things like the need for, you know, better emotional stability in children, teaching them uh, emotional skills, being able to cope with mental health, stress, self-confidence. I just realized very, very late that, oh my God, this is something that we should be doing. And we're not. Uh, we're not doing enough of that. An actual event in your life or a, or a circumstance or a situation that you were in that kind of yeah. later on led you to believe that yeah. I'm not prepared to handle this or I haven't been like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my son had like a lot of anger management issues and stuff growing up. And only after my insight, after I met a lot of people, my insight into how, why those things happen, then I realized what is the solution that's required. It's not a disciplinary thing or it's not like something that you tell the kid, don't be angry, that's stupid, right? And it came like with many other things for me, the trigger was somebody pointing me in the right direction and then I dove into it. I That's how I roll. I just read books and I dove into that and I kind of understood psychology and, you know, uh, things like that. And I kind of got to the point where these are not things which are dealt with best uh, wisely by saying, oh, you shouldn't be angry. You should look at it, empathize with the, with the child, what's going on and look at And then I realized that many reasons that a lot of us are not able to regulate and these situations and take wise decisions in times of stress is because we've never been trained to. We've just never been trained to. And it's just like any other skill, it's possible to train this. And guess what? Video games are great at that already. Video games are decision-making. Sid Meier called video games a series of interesting decisions. If the most fabled game designer in history broke down a game to a series of interesting decisions, it's right out there for everyone to see. So... Then we were like, why can't we use games for, you know, uh, this sort of thing? And at that time, we didn't have a name for it. But then luckily, what happened, again, it comes down to that old thing again, right? It's luck. This is just something we wanted to do. Things aligned, right? The universe aligned. Because what's happening is, especially the pandemic accelerated the uh, the focus on such things. And people found that children, because now the children are in your house all the time, you're actually seeing what's going on with them, Right. They're out of your house most of the time. Kids are in school and then they're out in some after school and this and that. And parents are not even looking at their children and know what's wrong. And what happened is they realized, oh my God, children are finding it difficult to cope. They're, they're under a lot of stress and uh, things like anxiety and stuff in like 10-year-olds, man. That's just crazy. And I realized that's not new. It's just come into focus. Now I go back and look at school and I do know I, some of my friends in school certain ways in which they behaved and in which I behaved, now I understand was because of things like that. We just thought those people were crazy or or they were troubled or they, they, they were bad news and stuff like that, right? But but now I understand that it's because they were going through some difficult things and they were not being guided. They were not being prepared. 
uh, f- for 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 that kind of decision making and it's it's in many cases it's easy to do in extreme cases you may require clinical intervention and stuff sure it's like wellness right it's like breathing if it's extremely acute yes you need clinical intervention but otherwise just like do some exercise do get up in the morning go out for a run there are ways in which most people can control it we're not even doing that right it's either figure it out on your own or therapy what's that huge thing in between and there we realized we can do this with games because kids love games we can do this with games so that's how it came but luckily for us that is a growing market and there's a lot of attention into it and now that importance of that is coming in so uh, it it became a business opportunity as well which is great for us but that's that's pretty much how it panned out and do you have an interesting story or did you have a particular day or an event when you actually said this is it and that one idea is big fat phoenix i'm not sure it this happened overnight it's one of those gradual things which has been stewing and bubbling and all of that's been going on and on i i don't think the idea for this would be big fat phoenix happened suddenly uh, we had a bunch of things and then we got down and you know put stuff in a room and kind of everybody said what and then that came out to be okay this is the thing that we all really believe in and it was also then that was actually a fairly rational decision in that we we were also looking at things like maybe literacy or or, or financial uh, skills and stuff like that we were looking at a bunch of skills what can we use games to help kids for we also saw that this is by virtue of it being difficult the least competitive space nobody was doing this everyone was doing financial intelligence or literacy and that's because that stuff people know the advantage we had was we really understand role playing games and and role playing you need to be a hardcore like you need to know games and what they can do to understand the possibility space of how you can use that as an emotion simulator and we were truly passionate about doing this and we thought that okay nobody's taking a shot at this this is a huge opportunity we're not only competing with like 100 people doing financial literacy games or which they'll probably do a pretty competent job of it's not like we are hugely better at that we we may be good game designers but that's fine they can they can do it but here we felt like this is something that's not going to be easy for anyone else to do even if they want to so we we just believe that it's worth uh, running after this one and you know tell us some of the uh, as you said speaking to parents and kids with this early initial idea for big fat phoenix how did some of those uh, you know iterations go about on the original idea and how did you evolve towards saying hey we want to build this you know meta app called fair side stories so um it was interesting there are different kinds of parents and <coughs> we have a very specific kind of parent persona that we're going after as is not a thing which every parent will order at this moment we need to get an early adopter niche right of people who already kind of at least are aligned in terms of values uh, and priorities to what we are trying to do so that's either people for whom academic performance is not a worry or people who have deep personal reason to worry about social emotional well being and stuff right so it's largely a very specific type of parent that we're going after so we kind of went and spoke immediately uh, and the easiest thing is our friends and family are the first for thing for us because that's pretty much uh, most of our friends who have kids in that age group it went interestingly a lot of people were very happy about it and very supportive when they said yeah i'd pay for it and i'd pay we don't know if that's because they were our friends or what but when we see them play and test the pro- people can't fake interest in that right you know how to look at body language when people are playing it was it was really good there was some what is most interesting for us is that there were there were more than a few parents who were skeptical about it in the beginning but were convinced after we demoed and convinced after we spoke to them and said they, they because the problem is it's like drugs it's like video games when you say video game they immediately form a particular kind of thing and then they're not sure how can that help right how they think it's racing or football or killing people right but and they're like how can that help and and, and football can actually teach you a lot of values and feel but they kind of when they saw this firstly it opened their mind to what a video game can be they oh i we didn't know that there were video games like this can you suggest video games so we immediately started getting in a matter of hours so we know that we can change that perception and that's gold because you can change that perception and when you change a negative perception into a positive one quickly that's very powerful that is like oh i didn't know this okay now it opens up a whole new world let me in and so that we saw a lot of evidence of in our early uh, testing with parents which was super useful kids really like it they really love it they seem again it's a very specific kind of kid that we're going after right it's kids who are who like to a little bit nerdy kids kids who like to read kids who enjoy stories and there are a lot of those there are a lot of those 
We're not going after kids who only are interested in playing Fortnite or Minecraft. That's too much of a fight. We don't need to do that right now. Any of the feedback that kind of caught you by surprise? Yeah, quite a bit. All feedback. See, I'm a game design. All feedback will catch you by surprise. It will catch you by surprise. If your feedback doesn't catch you by surprise, you're either very lucky or you're not taking enough risks. You know, you're not taking enough risks. Uh, I always look for. Am I getting a whole bunch of feedback that oh my god I never expected this and that's when we know we're on the right track that's how we approach it yeah uh, kids do not um, they uh, kids can handle more than we think they can that was the first insight we got because we were a little ginger around uh, around messaging around content and around communications to the kids but kids were like don't treat me with kid gloves. Talk it to me. I can take it. Tell me where I'm going wrong. Tell me where I can improve. Right? Kids were really keen to uh, know that. Kids also wanted, of course, a little. Uh, we were making the games a little too easy in balancing and stuff like that. So we kind of moved away from a difficulty curve. Don't talk down to kids. Don't design down to kids. Uh, is something that we constantly need to remind ourselves of. That uh, don't do that. This generation of kids is just way smarter than we were when we were kids. So don't design for yourself as a nine-year-old. Design for the nine-year-old of today. right lots of really interesting stuff uh, from kids in terms of also the kind of things that they expect and the values that they would exhibit in a game like there are two kinds of kids we're discovering right in our games we put them in front of like moral dilemmas should i do this and should i do that and there's a win outcome we found a lot of kids will do the right thing even if they don't win the game they there's like so i asked them like when we play testing and we're like you know there's a time when you can like tell a tell a little bit of a fib to make someone feel better or to get an objective but the kids would always just do the thing that they would have done in real life right uh, and i like why but no that's cheating I, i i shouldn't do that right so they're really dis- taking decisions in the game that are in sync with their values or, or at least they're very thoughtful about it and they're not thinking about the winning or the losing they're thinking about the value and that's huge validation for us that's like okay wow uh, this is this is gold this is really working right so uh, that was pretty cool and too. as you designed this like this amazing catalog of characters right bases all these early conversations with parents with kids take us to some of the thought process behind like building janaki the scientist and matt numberson and maria the reporter it's like this lovely repertoire of folks a lot of that character writing uh, comes from you know uh, some people in the team we have bhamani and morvi and samir and raisa and bunch of people who do the character design and uh, that's a very thoughtful squad that they much younger than i am um, so they think about a bunch of stuff so we knew that we were going after the us market that was one so we wanted diversity we wanted representation uh, we wanted kids to feel seen it was really really important these are all concepts that i didn't know like even 10 years ago i had no clue it's it's i learn from my team every day right things like that so we said let's let's go out there and take some risks and let's let's do some characters and we you know it's very interesting because we put in we put in a, a, an an african american uh, character we put in a hispanic character we put in a bunch of people an indian girl we put in somebody who's gender fluid we put in someone who is in a wheelchair a bunch of that stuff and it's been a really good learning experience because we've been testing those things and we we've been talking to a lot of like really experienced character uh, designers and writers we have christy marks on our panel christy's like uh, you know super experienced uh, designer and she was giving us a bunch of feedback and you know uh, don't worry about accurate average representation just look for uh, you know showing someone in that position that's okay don't lean into these kinds of stereotypes for us it's really important that we go all in and make sure that we're building a product for everybody we want to make sure that kids of all kinds feel seen and feel represented like what does a kid in a wheelchair feel like when they're playing halo what do they feel like right you're the super soldier and every, no there's no one in the game with a wheel everyone super fit and somewhere that's telling them something Uh, a lot of the other media is coming around you're seeing more people of color more people of uh, different uh, you know orientation gender all of that's coming in and we need to be there it's really important one of the things that i always uh, tell my team and i strongly believe is don't build for today just don't build for today forget about it build for what the world is going to be like in 5 years time because i mean you're not going to ship today it's going to take some time and you need to ship for the world that will be there when your product hits maturity is it working then and i'm i can tell you that there are certain trends that are there are already dead the only reason that we're still seeing content like that is because people are refusing to acknowledge it and that's going to go bust before you you know it so we're really driven we're really committed to building and it may be challenging today 
But if it's not challenging, you shouldn't be doing it as a startup. Really, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah, they say that more than twenty-five percent of the U.S. population today is like minorities, and I think they've had like massive movements, whether it's Me Too or Black Lives Matters or last year's Capitol Hill, uh, you know, insurgents. And I think all of that has definitely led to making this diverse group of characters, uh, you know, very very relatable uh, to that time. So I think it's it's fantastic to be seeing such a wide uh, repertoire and representation is very important yeah yeah it really is and not just in terms of race right in terms of gender in terms of ability there's so many axes along which uh, people don't feel seen and 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 there are a lot of those people and it's really important and i'm really proud of the games industry for that you know you should look at uh, and it's uh, the the big names are taking the lead ubisoft and 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 and, and bungie and and, and microsoft Uh, Sony, they're all doing amazing stuff for accessibility. Uh, Forza Motorsport, amazing stuff for accessibility and uh, ways to get a larger number of people to be able to experience and play and enjoy these games. I'm really proud to be a part of the games industry. Uh, uh, I'll, I need to put it out there. We're doing a lot, and we 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 want to be doing our bit. I know you have like a. It's a small team. It's a full stack uh, team, and all of you definitely shared like camaraderie, being together, working together at Byju's. But today and here and now, as Big Fat Phoenix, you continue to work mostly remotely, given that you are a pandemic baby. Uh, but what does company culture mean to you? And how do you think about setting like a vision and mission for for the team that you're building today at BFP? So company culture means everything to us. Um, we believe it's everything. It's more important than what you're doing is company culture because if you build a really strong team, that team will be successful one day or the other, right? Uh, so the way we look at it is today we have one challenge. Tomorrow we have another challenge. Day after tomorrow we we don't know. The world say who knew that we'll be in a pandemic? Tell me. Who knew? We'll, even when the pandemic started, did we think we'd still be wearing masks? We did not. We don't know where this is going. We have no idea how the world's going to be. But what you can do is uh, you can train yourself to get through hard times. That's the single most important thing for a startup. How do you get excited about you know something that you're building and run after it? And how do you get up when you fall? That's it. It's two things. That's it. Right? And and I keep telling them. It's, everyone keeps talking about dropping the ball and dropping the ball. And I say I don't. mind if you drop the ball pick it up again that's it that's really it the more important skill is picking up the ball again not not dropping it pick it up and run drop it pick it up again and run don't drop it and say oh my god i dropped it next time i'll run slowly but i don't want to drop it is not the way you go right so it's resilience and resilience is built by team culture you need to have people who trust and i dare say love each other because if you don't the first time sign a trouble you're going to be like i am done and you're just going to go right so we lean very heavily into that we give people a lot of space we give people a lot of time and we demand excellence and we give the room for people to you know then thrive and for that to work you got to be super super careful about hiring because not everyone thrives in a you know in a situation i'm not saying that as the only way run a run a company or run a startup it's the only way that we know how so for me it is hire get the right people really good skilled people who want to do amazing things build resilience and build trust they everyone in the team has to have that belief that if somebody messes up they didn't mess up because they don't want to succeed or they're lazy or they're incompetent it's because they had any they, something went wrong and those people need to feel like hey i messed up but my team's got my back it's super important to us and uh, we spend a lot of time on that we spend a lot of time on team culture then once you've built the right culture you and you share the right vision other things tend to fall into place to the extent they can right because everyone who's built a product that to an entertainment knows that things never go according to plan if if entertainment was easy then everything would be a hit no it's not but uh, you can only build the skills and the tools that as a team that we have to be able to deal with anything that surprise that includes a pandemic going on forever or a market suddenly shifting and saying that oh all of a sudden this has become important that's no longer important unexpected other you know challenges uh, you can't travel anymore we we know that uh, kind of thing right we don't even know like when can we travel next month i don't know so you we culture is everything to us how can we stay together is is the single most important thing that as leadership we always kind of drive towards and take us through a day in the life of big fat phoenix today what does your typical day look like oh boy we have zoom meetings in which people bring chickens and pet tortoises and iguanas and i'm not going to name anyone because i don't know 
but uh, there's like hey here's my pet and it's a dog and then there's a cat and then there's an iguana and then there's a turtle and there's a chicken it's i'm not even joking i can share the zoom video with you if you want but it's pretty crazy we have a bonkers team right it's it's uh, we have a team of like really really nuts people it's it's great uh, we basically have we right now trying to do our best across time zones because there's some of us in 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 a diametrically opposite time zone in the united states somebody in dubai with like and we're talking to now partners and stuff across the united states stuff like that in remote so we're in almost completely remote thing we we sometimes do co-locate and and and, and work together but largely it's remote so a lot of communication offline a lot of uh, stuff and it's very difficult to keep creative energy flowing in that sort of setup but i believe we're trying to crack those problems by you know actively we actively think about it Uh, and that's one of the things we do we actively think about hey what are we doing wrong how can we be better in terms of this in that creative energy is no longer there can we do work sessions together it's a very 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 i'd like to say involved sort of team everyone's like got ideas on how things should be done and we so uh, everyone's got ideas on how we can be better and we listen to all of those ideas toss them in it's very fluid the work is very fluid it's very it's not a highly structured sort of way that we work and i believe and there's even discussion and debate in that within the team about that like i am a guy who is not really organized but there's some people in the team who are like more organized and they feel things need to be there that push and pull is super important in 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 any team if everybody's thinking the same way then we have a problem right so other than that it's just a sprint it's it's very really exciting every day we at least we have huge releases going out when you this is the thing of a startup founder especially in entertainment right when you see something that you've thought of building and you've dreamed it and it takes time and then you you've, you've built 10% of it and 20% of it and 50% of it and when you see it coming together and then that's there's no rush like that you all and when you see it when when you see people playing and you see a random review in the play store saying hey you know i like this and stuff like that for every game maker every creator we spoke about that a little earlier in 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 a bit about applause and recognition acknowledgement that's great that's amazing for instance uh, we recently got our first email of com- someone complaining that the app doesn't work that was a huge deal and then we resolved it and you know we said that yeah we'll fix it and then that person actually bothered to go back install and got back to us saying hey thanks you fixed it that was a huge celebration it was a huge deal for us it was like it for me personally i was like oh my god this is amazing with somebody cares enough about our product to to say hey it sucks right or it works and it it doesn't work and stuff so that we we having that all the time we have a lot of wins every day we kind of look at that and sometimes we should be better at celebrating those wins sometimes it becomes like hey you know we should have made a big, bigger deal i get calls all the time i get calls from people saying we should have made a bigger deal about that or you should have appreciated that person a little more because i think and there's so much going on that sometimes that slips that's the thing i miss from being in an office because then a celebration will naturally happen someone will say it and everyone's clapping and everyone's like oh my god yeah awesome this that and then you go out and get drinks that i miss and that's hard to recapture but having said that i think i speak for everyone in the team saying we we're, we're having all sorts of wins uh, every day and it's really important to celebrate those wins um, and so far it's it's been great we get kids saying that they want to sign up for the test team and that i mean the test squad that we're doing not not like the test team they're not going to get in but yeah i mean even even rohit sharma can't get in today so but it's 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 just been a fantastic ride and it continues to be a fantastic ride we're super nervous i'll i'll not lie about that new app new going out so hope the metrics will stabilize it's that classic you know oh my god i hope this is going to do well i hope this is going to do well in entertainment it's always more of a there's an additional x factor right does that magic crackle or not but it's great it's amazing we're super excited about what is coming up also and what are you looking forward to most in 2022 surviving it <laughs> so uh, I mean, apart from all of us praying that the pandemic yeah, is going to end uh, i think oh you know what uh, for ask you an mba's question what goals have you set for yourself for yeah yeah 2022 i think we need to we need to get into like some level of commercial success we need to get people paying for what we do that's pretty much the goal that we're setting uh, what am i excited about is just doing more of this i want to see more of what we do out there and then you know take that risk i look forward to the risk putting stuff out there right now we've been you know in the last few months we've been like okay let's keep quiet but in 2022 now that we've kind of closer to being you know uh, the the product where we wanted to be we want, we we're going to start going out there and pushing it out and doing some pr and, and some marketing i'm really looking forward to that uh I, i was in advertising for like several years before i moved into the entertainment business 
So I'm really, that's, that's, that's really exciting. Put out the messaging out there, like start getting that feedback from the market and things like that. We're looking at, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to more. We've got some super cool ideas for storytelling, uh, which has been vetted and honed and we're working with a bunch of people. So that's the next version of that. How does that pan out? We've, we've got this really cool initiative coming up where we want to build a, like a 100, 200 kid like test squad. Who's, uh, we've we've made some swag for them. And we, we want to build this little club of kids who are like testing us and that also serves as virality for us. Uh, they go out and talk to their friends and stuff. We're super excited about getting that squad together. And uh, end of the day, for sure, I would, I want to see my first payment. My The first person who like subscribes and gives us that $5 or $10 or whatever. That's the thing I'm looking forward to hugely. Because that's going to be a rush, right? As even if it's just one person, especially that first one person, that's going to be a huge rush. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Not, I mean, I hope that doesn't take the whole of 2022, but just saying. And final question, Anand, you spoke early on about how you were influenced by your uh, father. How are you influencing Dhruv, your 19-year-old? You'll have to ask him in a podcast, like, I don't know, 10 years from now. I don't know. Um, I don't know. And I, if I've learned anything at all with working with kids and, you know, with stuff like that is um, our work is never towards our parents. It's a, towards the next generation. You always pay it forward. That's just how it works. Parents do things for their children. Those children don't have to do things back for their parents. They need to do it for their children. It's paid forward because the world belongs to the young. They need to live, it, live in it for a longer time. You know, at the age of 70, somebody will just mess up a country and then die in 10 years because you don't have to face the brunt of what you do. A 10-year-old has to live in that shit for the next 50 years. The world belongs to young people. So as a parent and as a, you know, game developer and in, in everything I do with the kids, I kind of always like just hope that what we're doing is imparting the best we know to them and then getting out of their way. So I, I hope I'm influencing him in the way of, hey, if you do have kids, get out of their way. I think parenting itself is, is not a a concept that I agree with in general and the way that it's treated today in terms of being super active. I think you should do less. I think you should give support, guidance, and get out of the way. Just get out of the way, right? Because we don't trust kids. That's why. Parents have good intentions. It's not like they have bad intentions. They don't want to do wrong. But they don't trust the child that the child will figure this out. And I just need to be there in case something goes wrong, catch the child. But don't hold the child and steer the child through whatever minefield the child is going through. Child, child's got that. Child's smarter than you are. And we've got to build that trust. And whether that's in our product building, where we are, that we hope that's the kind of dynamic that we want to nurture between children and parents. Trust kids in design. We're learning that. Kids are telling us that. Trust us. Don't make it too easy. Don't, don't patronize us in your design. Challenge us. We've got this. And that's just an incredible insight, right? If you're building for kids, uh, trust kids. And the kids will trust you back and they will pay that back because they can feel that they're not being talked down to or they're not being patronized or they're not being treated with disrespect that you don't understand. And here, let me share my wisdom with you. It's not that. It's like, hey, you got this. Here's some stuff that is can help you figure things out on your own. And uh, I hope as a parent and as a, you know, as a game developer or as an educator or, uh, or as a citizen of the world, that if I can do that, then I'll be happy. Fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, coming down to Bangalore and doing this with us. I had a fantastic time. Thank you for being thoughtful, for being like authentic, for being vulnerable, for sharing all your stories, for making like tough choices and helping us uh, learn about yourself and more importantly, what you're building at Big Fat Phoenix. Yeah. Thank you, Anjali. I'm too stupid to make smart choices. So the tough choices bit is kind of like a fate accompli, but I'll take it. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed chatting with you folks. Cheers, Anand. Thank you for listening to That One Idea, a podcast series produced by WeWork Labs and Waterbridge Ventures. WeWork Labs is a global incubator platform that connects early stage founders and SMBs in over 150 markets around the world and facilitates streamlined networking, upskilling, and global connections for founders and their teams. The platform currently comprises 5,000-plus companies from 200-plus industries, hundreds of mentors, and benefits amounting to $600,000 exclusive to the Labs community. If you'd like to learn more, head to wework.com forward slash labs.
Waterbridge Ventures is a leading early stage VC fund in India, partnering with mission-oriented founders building game-changing businesses. The fund invests up to $3 million across seed to series A rounds and has backed category-leading companies like Magicpin, Unacademy, Doubtnut, Chalo and Citymall among many others. With over $250 million in assets under management, Waterbridge also runs India's leading seed investment program called Fast Forward. The Fast Forward program invests up to $1 million in seed stage companies with a seven-day turnaround time to all founder pitches. Head to waterbridge.vc to learn more.